of Holiness podcast with Reverend Carolyn Moore and Reverend Pierce Drake. Join us today as we lean into practical holiness, intergenerational relationships, and supernatural ministry. This is a New Room Network podcast. We're so glad you're here. Let's jump in. Hey, friends, it's Carolyn Moore. Welcome back to The Art of Holiness. I am here without Pierce today. He uh, uh, texted early this morning and had something come up that kept him from being with us today. So we'll miss him, but we will not be without wonderful conversation. One of the true leaders in the faith and and just a, a giant in my eyes and in my heart is Dr. Maxie Dunham. We have interviewed him before. Uh, he's the author of 40 books, so we have lots of reasons to be talking to Maxie Dunham, and not just the books, but his life, his legacy, his um, and, and all that he contributes to the conversation, when it, when, especially when it comes to the next Methodism. Uh, we'll be talking to him today about a book that he's written, but let me just tell you a little bit about him first, for those of you who might not know. Um, Maxie Dunham was the fifth president of Asbury Theological Seminary. He served as senior minister of Christ United Methodist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, and that's where he serves today as a minister at large. Um, he is uh, just a fabulous speaker. Uh, as I said, he's an author. Um, he was in. He was the world editor of the Upper Room in a season when they developed both the Walk to Emmaus and the Academy of Spiritual Formation, both of which have had a life-changing impact on me. Um, the thing I like best about Maxie has always just been that, that he's just Maxie to those who have any interaction with him. He knows one speed in his relationships, and that is friendship, and or as he says today, partnership. Um, so he's a, he's a grace. Just such a pleasure to talk to Maxie with you today. Uh, his book that we will be talking about today is Saints Alive, S-A-I-N-T-S, Saints Alive, a 40-day pilgrimage with heroes of our faith. I hope you enjoy the conversation, and I'll see you on the other side. Maxie, what a pleasure to be in the on the screen and in the house with you. Thank you so much for taking time with us today. It's good to be with you, Carolyn. Good to be with you. So before we get into your latest work, I want you to tell us where you are these days and what gets you up in the morning. Because you're still getting up in the morning. <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm getting up in the morning and I'm getting up excitedly in the morning. Uh, oh, praise it, God. Uh, I think um I think what's happening in in the nation is is just so critical these days and tough and awful. And uh, I don't know exactly whether we have the leadership that we need to deal with it. But in relation to the church, I'm I'm excited about the church and uh, especially what I believe is the, the beginning of revival. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've been praying uh, for years now, uh, that the Lord would, uh, let me live, uh, yes. we had a, a, a great revival in, in the church. And, uh, I felt, uh, that God is going to answer that prayer. And in fact, 
that's what I'm excited about. I think he's answering that prayer. And I think the foretaste of it uh, with the revival that took place at Asbury, uh, but also the way um, the the new denomination, yeah. uh, the World Methodist, um, <laughs> the 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 Methodist Church that now is uh, designating itself as uh, the Global Methodist Church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I. Uh, I just think uh, that's that's going to be uh, a part of the revival. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I get up every day uh, thinking about that. Uh, and uh, it, it's, um, again, I'm, I'm an old man, but I don't I don't feel like an old man. I don't know what an old man's supposed to feel like. Uh, but uh, at my age, uh, I'm still believing uh, that that God is going to answer that uh, prayer in a more uh, uh, significant way, uh, a, a, a more widespread way, I, I should say, than I see it presently happening. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's it's it's very exciting, isn't it? To watch move of the spirit right now it is very exciting after a lot of years of waiting and praying it is exciting yeah 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 it really is it really is and so our kind our, of our, our local church you know uh, our church has it's been through the years a uh, uh, just a a significant part of uh, the kingdom work uh uh, not just in Memphis, but uh, across the nation. But uh, Carolyn, we we have a new spirit in our church now. Uh, our new minister, lead minister, just been there for a year. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Is just doing a exceptional, exceptional job, and you can feel the difference in our congregation. Really, wow. Wow. So where do you see the Holy Spirit at work in the Big C Church? In the what? The, the Big, Big C, C Church. Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I haven't thought about that a lot because I've been probably too preoccupied uh, with what's happening in the in the Methodist movement, in the Methodist right. movement. Uh, the uh, and and you know, from a distance and off the cuff, I think the kind of uh, ecumenism, the kind of relationships uh, that I'm having and uh, the people that I'm having conversation with and uh, contact with, it's in a different way than, uh, than it has been basically through the years. The years it's it's primarily been uh, uh, what what your task is, what positions do you hold, uh, what is your current ministry. But now uh, I'm I'm meeting people and talking with people that uh, that don't have positions of leadership that would uh, uh, cause us to be together in any way, mm-hmm. and people that are. There are people that are more interested as I am, <laughs> more interested in revival and spiritual vitality 
than they are with the outward uh, expression of the structures of the church. Yeah, I you know I've been I've been uh, developing a bit of a relationship with a group of folks who are committed to ecumenism, and they uh, they kind of have a twofold thing. They're very very deeply committed to ecumenism and also to intentional community. Um, we have one such community in Augusta where uh, Christians, deep Christians uh, across. Uh, denominational affiliations are living in community together uh, in a neighborhood. And it's been there since the seventies. And evidently there are lots of these kinds of communities in the country and even around the world. And so because of the way they have learned to live together 24 seven, they're, um, they are very invested in the idea of ecumenism. They're also a spirit filled community. So um what I've found is inside the Catholic Church, there is this move uh, of spirit-filled, ecumenical, um, a, a desire to have dialogue with people who are both spirit-filled and and have ecumenism as a value. So it's been really neat to see that go all the way up to Rome. Um, there's a real desire for uh, for seeing us cross the lines and talk to each other and and gather the spirit-filled folks from around the, the world. And I get excited about that thought. Wow. Yeah. 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 A, a part of, I don't know whether I've ever shared this with you, but a, a part of mine and Jerry's life together, uh, um, beginning very early uh, in our marriage was uh, a, a, a deep, deep interest in, uh, in community and and the intentional community that that you've mentioned uh and uh there was a a long rather long period of time when we were deliberate about that in terms of trying to seek it out and and that sort of thing and during that period uh is when i really became more involved and interested in uh roman catholicism and mm-hmm. the the historic church right and my um i really uh you know have just been intrigued by uh koinonia you know yes uh, yes and uh have have thought uh it, it would be uh, wonderful to live in community like that, but yeah, uh, it, it and and I, I guess the and I hadn't thought about it for a while, but uh, the witness of that is is really significant. Even even if if you're not a part of it, uh, mm-hmm. the witness of it uh, that uh, the intentionality of people, the uh, the sharing. Uh, right the deeper accountability yes you're not yeah. you're not you're not just accountable to the parts they can see it's your whole life <laughs> exactly exactly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you've written you've done you've got a project you've you've just uh published a project um i am so interested in it Boy, i tell you when i got into it maxi i i was so excited to see who you'd chosen 
to follow on this pilgrim's guide through some of the classic fathers of the faith, St. Francis, John Wesley, Bonhoeffer, Calvin, Kierkegaard, Knox, uh, um, uh, Evelyn Underhill, heavy hitters, very heavy hitters. Was there a favorite? So the book is Saints Alive. It's a 40-day journey um, written devotionally, but uh, using these uh, fathers in the faith to help us uh, to go deep spiritually. Um, so my question is, is there is there a favorite among those that you read and began to reflect on in this reading pilgrimage that you took or someone whose writing most resonated in this season of your life? Well, uh, that that book itself that you're talking about, Saints Alive, uh, mm-hmm. really, it, there is a connection between that really and what we were talking about in terms of community. Uh huh. Because uh, my, I, I have been impacted really uh, by the whole church and naturally by uh, the Roman Catholic Church, uh, not in not in uh, just in terms of uh the the contribution that uh that church made for years and years and years mm-hmm. in 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 keeping uh the orthodox christian faith uh, alive and expressed and many of the early um, outstanding writers and what we now call saints mm-hmm. uh, were a part of that tradition uh the you you ask about my my favorite i i'm not sure i have a favorite but i i have one that sums that i've been more intrigued with and that kind of thing and one of those and and at this point of the game probably uh if i had to choose a favorite this might surprise you uh, is evelyn underhill uh she um uh I, I don't know why that that but there is a part of it that she is she is more contemporary uh she's she's more uh-huh. of the uh, the modern culture that that you and I are a part of and mm-hmm. and for her to be who she is at our in our terms, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just just has intrigued me. Uh, I, um, I I I like uh, the way she writes, and mm-hmm. uh, she, um, yeah, I, I I never I never put this thing two together. The I would have never used this word. Uh, uh, to talk about anything spiritually, but she talked about uh, what she called a limp, L-I-M-P, a limp surrender. Uh, And we think about surrender, we think more in terms of rigidity, Uh solidity, you know. But she she talked about um, a limp surrender and uh, that uh, i've uh, i've wrestled carolyn i mean i i've been a struggler really mm. uh and never 
feeling that I was never as uh, solidly surrendered <laughs> as I should be. Uh, but I think I can deal with the, the whole notion of surrender when I, <laughs> when I think of it as a limp, <laughs> a limp surrender, but I, I <laughs> may be my trying to have a, an out of some sort, but the other thing. So what does she mean by that? When she says limp surrender, is it, is it what I think it means and that it's, it's, it's there, but it's imperfect. It's there and it's imperfect and but but not just imperfect. Uh it's 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 flexible. It's uh, uh the surrender is 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 not to a system, and I'm reading into it probably. It, it's not to a system, it, it, it's to to live in and seeking to live as a person in Christ. Mm. Uh, as a as a Christian, and uh, the uh, one of the things that uh, that I've had to deal with all my life is uh, uh, I've uh, I've just been I've wrestled with my my limitations and my background and uh, you know the way I the economic way I grew up in terms of poverty and, mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And uh, the, the kind of the expressions of the Christian faith uh, that I, I was exposed to early in my Christian life. Uh, and um, to, to, to even come in touch to even come in touch, Carolyn, with uh, uh, people like her uh, has been uh, a good kind of thing for me. Mm. She was a, a writer, uh, a, a secular writer, a literary person uh, in England. Uh, and when she was uh, early, you know, before she married and really came into her deep, deep, deep experience of the Christian life. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's another thing. She is, quote, I put this in quotation mark, she, she's a part of the modern world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet still somehow uh, has has transcended into that other area. There, there's a quote from Frederick Buechner about Evelyn Underhill. It, you you can see a line drawn in her writings, uh, a place where, and the quote is, one has the sense that she is no longer quoting. Yeah. Um, that line resonates deeply with me as an aspiration. Don't we all want to get to that place where we are no longer quoting, but knowing it ourselves? How, how, do you, how would you say that we get and I would say maybe phrase this especially or or uh, respond to this, especially in light of the readings that you did among these greats. How do we get from quoting to knowing? Well, I'm, I'm not sure I really got there, but a, a part of uh, the dynamic of, of this particular little book really uh, is that uh, I tried to, um, in the book, I tried to, to write about <laughs> uh, 
uh, what the the quote that I was taking from from the saint, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I tried to express something about that, whatever mm-hmm. that theme was, in mm-hmm. in my own way, uh, and uh, I've wrestled, uh, Carolyn, with. Uh, uh not uh not feeling fully able to be authoritative in uh what i say <laughs> mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and i don't mean that in terms of, uh, of authority i mean it in terms of authenticity and uh truth and uh it, and i don't mean uh i wanted to be anything like, like you're talking about when she made that transition but uh i i would i would hope and pray that someday uh what Maxie dunham says uh will uh will be a word that uh, people uh, would uh, maybe uh, respond to and accept as something worthwhile. Yeah, that's that's it, isn't it? We, we all long for a faith that transcends the years that we have on this earth. Uh, we all long for our faith to have, to bear fruit that, that 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 goes beyond our own lifetimes um and you and the thing is you're we're sort we're sort of like artists in that way and that our best work may be after we die and we won't have any knowledge of it right right <laughs> right, right yeah yeah so in the, in the section inspired by john knox in in the book um you dive into what it means to be a saint um, you've used the word here a couple of times. So give us a little more on that word, saint, and and talk about how it connects with sanctification. But just give us a little history on the word saint first. Well, uh, the uh, that's a, that's all the more reason. Uh, I mean, that's a part of the big reason that uh, that I have really tried to live with these saints because of who they are. Uh, because when you get down to who they are, uh, they are who we are <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, in terms mm-hmm. of, uh, uh, of in terms of the basic uh, dimension of that. When in almost, I think almost every one of his letters uh, to the early different churches, uh, Paul addressed uh, the Christians as as saints. Uh, I, I don't, I, I think that's good, but I think, uh, there, there's, there's more to it than that. Uh, and what, what the more to it is, I think, uh, intention, intentionality and depth of, depth of commit, commitment, mm-hmm. uh, to be who we, uh, who God really wants us to be. Uh, so when you talk about uh, uh, saints, uh, uh, the the very the very notion is uh, has to do with holiness set mm-hmm. set aside, uh, 
and uh, that's uh, uh, the reason I, well, I don't know all the reasons, but one of the reasons I called on Knox uh, is that, that that's the way he talked about it. He, he talked about vocation uh, yeah. and uh, our vocation <laughs> Our vocation is is to be a saint, <laughs> uh, and 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 that that's that's not a static word. That's a the dynamic word. It uh, and that's again fits into uh, your uh, your suggestion that we talk uh, something about sanctification. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the thing that really continues to capture me uh, about Wesley's understanding of the Christian life really involves the notion of sanctification that, that he was so um, uh, given to. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he used perfection, Christian perfection and sanctification together. Uh, but one of the things that, uh, that helps me, even think about him is the way he understood salvation Mm. Uh, even salvation not even but salvation itself for Wesley uh, was dynamic it it really was not a a one time event and and that's the reason we can talk about going on to salvation and uh, the part of that that relates to um, sanctification is that uh, he 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 not only said we needed to be saved and we could be saved, he said we can know that we're saved, and this is the key: we can be saved to the uttermost. I think yes. that was his exact language: uh, saved to the uttermost, and that's mm-hmm. that's the way I think of. Uh, of of sanctification uh it it's uh it's it's being continually saved to the uttermost uh wherever we yeah. are at a particular time in in our journey in our limp surrender mm-hmm. uh, we'll we'll continue to be saved uh, so that uh that changes what how we how we think about saints somehow being perfect in yes. in some definition of perfection. Uh, we're saints in that we are surrendered, confident of our salvation. And going on to salvation in a deep desire to be saved to the uttermost. So tell me if I'm getting this right, if I'm pulling all of these parts together. Saints then have the vocation of following Jesus of working out their salvation with a desire to be saved to the uttermost. That's right. That's all right. That's a better so, way to put it than I did. Well, <laughs> and, and we 
saints saints would see their salvation as an ongoing uh, as an ongoing enterprise. We ha- I have been saved. I am being saved. I will be saved. Um, That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, which is very different than and somebody asked me this question earlier this week. Why you know, they were talking about justification as a static event, uh, and 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 they were actually reading Scott McKnight, who does not define it that way. Who defines justification more in terms of like what we're discussing right now as an ongoing uh, enterprise, and 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 they this person who uh, grew up Southern Baptist was. Uh, lamenting the fact that justification had been presented as this a hard stop. It, it had to be a moment with a prayer, and then you're justified, and then it's done. I would say, um, in deference to our Southern Baptist friends, that um, that justification is what they offered the body of Christ. They have highlighted, underlined the work of justification because it needed to be in the history of the world. It, it, it had been maybe neglected or not, not well-developed enough, but they've done it so well now that at least in the American evangelical tradition, it has become uh, synonymous with that uh, walk the aisle, fall on your knees, get justified, and then you're justified, and then it's over with, rather than this idea of the ongoing work of salvation that, um, that yes, justification happens, but it, it opens, it's like it opens the door to, uh, to, to this world of possibility that lives inside the, the house of sanctification. Am I getting all of that right? I think you are. I think you are. And, uh, I, I think, um, the limitation of, um, maybe, uh, what I would say is a a limited understanding of the faith. And I don't want to use the word liberal or conservative, but uh, if we don't, uh, Carolyn, if we don't begin though, with the notion that we need, we need salvation. Right. If we don't begin there by, you know, that we're sinners Mm -hmm. and, and we need salvation. Uh, mm-hmm. if if we really would get that firmly in our mind, there would be more, I think, there would be more joy Yes, uh, from that point on because we, uh, we need salvation. We can have salvation. Yes. <laughs> we can know that we have salvation and yes. it can be to the uttermost. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so it, so 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 the the opportunities are limitless. Yeah, um, that's right. and this and you're exploring the most beautiful, most deep, uh, the richest possible way of living as you live it out. Um, uh, John Wesley obviously was big on sanctification, and if we're talking about what different tribes or streams of of Christianity um, are able to contribute to the faith, if if the Baptist movement contributed. An emphasis on justification, then I would say that 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 uh, the Wesleyan uh, stream contributed the um, the emphasis on sanctification. Wesley said, and I'm quoting this from your book: uh, the dynamic process of sanctification is to work out in fact what is already true in principle. 
And I, from that, it sounds like sanctification is spoken into us before it is lived out. Is that how you read that statement? Uh, I, I'm I'm not sure about the language you're using, but uh, I think what you're saying is right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> tell me how you tell me how you understand that statement. I do. That, that's right. I I do completely. And but uh, uh, I I think we have to inject in that, of course, uh, assurance. Uh, Wesley's yeah. notion of assurance that mm. uh, if if we have assurance of our salvation, then we're not wrestling uh, with, uh, you know, the whole dynamic introduction uh, to the faith. Uh, I, I'm not saying that very well, but it. it I, I think it's genius, really, mm. uh, that 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 we Wesleyans put it, you know, this way. Uh, all need to be saved. All may be saved. All may be saved to the uttermost. Mm -hmm. And they can know they're saved. Mm -hmm. it, it really is, um, even as I talk about it even as I talk about it, it's very attractive. <laughs> it's it's inviting. Yeah. Well, I mean, assurance is an extremely yeah. attractive quality. Everybody's looking for certainty. Yeah. yeah. What's this? The old saying: the one thing that we can know for sure is that you can't know anything for sure. Um, so Christianity flies in the face of that antidote by uh anecdote by saying that there are some things we can know for sure that we can we can know we're saved um so and, and i don't know goodness maxi i'm embarrassed to say this but we sing blessed assurance but i don't know when i have preached i don't know when i last preached the doctrine of assurance um, so where do we go to find more out about the doctrine of assurance? Do you, where am I supposed to read up on that? Because I, if, if I, if the person who's listening to this right now wants to be a better uh, Methodist thinker, <laughs> then assurance needs to be part of their package. Where do they go find it? Well, uh, I don't know that you can find it in a specific place, but it seems to me uh, that it's. Um, that it's connected with, uh, in fact, it's intimately connected with uh, the the whole notion of 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 the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in mm -hmm. in our life. Because uh, I, I I don't know exactly how Wesley put it, but I, I, he he talked about um the door you walk through the door of justification uh and and uh, then then everything after that is uh growing and going on uh, mm -hmm. to being saved to the uttermost mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and I, i'm trying to find a way to put it yeah there's there's a sense in which uh, if 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 we have assurance, our wrestling 
uh, changes. We're not dealing the same way uh, with with sin. Uh, we're not dealing with sin in the same way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make sense. I'm trying to say the next thing in in a way that makes sense, and I don't know how mm-hmm. to. Say it, but until we um, until we accept Christ and His full forgiveness, mm-hmm. we deal and re- and we respond to sin in a different way. It's a it's a fighting kind of way if we yes. if our conscience is working, but yes. once. Uh, once we are justified and fully accept our justification, the Holy Spirit does give us the assurance of that. Mm-hmm. And when we have the assurance of that, then we we deal with uh, sin in our life in, in a different kind of way, I think. Uh, in... I, I, I think Wesley talked about that sin could not reside mm. in our lives where Christ was fully abiding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's Wesley. <laughs> you, yeah, somebody said something about sin. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but I'll tell you, you know, it strikes me what you're saying. I'm just I'm deeply interested in this. Um, the enemy. It would seem to me the enemy of our souls would have a vested interest in keeping us from experiencing assurance or from operating in assurance because he has planted in us character defects like fear, which manifest as worry and anxiety, which are things that we that keep us from making good decisions that keep us reactive and our, uh, and our, I don't know, and our happiness seeking and in our contentment seeking. Um, and so the more he can keep us in the arena of fear, the, the more chaotic our lives will be and the less, uh, wise our decisions will be. But when we get to assurance, now we're living in the arena of peace and, now we're operating in our decision making and in our happiness seeking from a place of peace or contentment. So assurance, which sounds like uh, maybe an optional part of the Christian life to somebody who's not theologically um, studied or grounded or or that might seem like an add-on or that might seem like an abstract idea actually becomes remarkably uh, important and practical in the outliving uh, or the living out of our um, of this deepening life of faith. A- am I right about that? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And I oh. think uh, I think that is uh, distinctively uh, Wesleyan. Not that that matters any, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but uh, it 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 really is talking about salvation in in a fuller way than uh, I think some of our brothers and sisters talk about it. Uh, and, and I think that uh, we need to, to talk about salvation yes. in, in a fuller way. And that's re- so we, 
we must not we must not ignore assurance and sanctification right i mean those those two things are critical uh, yes yes and i have had the sanctification piece in my head i don't know that i have so fully had the assurance piece as a as a term in my head until this conversation. So you've taught me a lot today. You've helped me. I, I want to quote from Francis de Sales. Good people, and this is again from, from, from your book. This quote is in your book. Francis de Sales says, good people who have not as yet attained to devotion fly toward God by their good works, but rarely, slowly, and heavily but devout souls ascend to him by more frequent, prompt, and lofty flights. Somehow that sounds to me like he's talking about what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if um, if we don't have um, assurance, if 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 that if that's not real in our life. Mm-hmm. Then we're continually plagued, whether we're conscious of it or not, uh, as to whether we're doing the right thing and whether, uh, you know, uh, wh- how free we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we, we're struggling. We're struggling. And I think uh, once that's the reason limp surrender is is a good term for me. I mm-hmm. think the reason that we um, are not as joyful and as open to taking these flights, <laughs> uh, these joyful flights, is that we're just not yet assured. Yes. Salvation. Right. Yes. And, and so we have to keep on plodding along working at it and and not and I don't mean just doing good deeds I mean working at it in our mind and in our heart and emotion yes. uh yeah I think you're exactly right I I and I I I think that assurance brings with it both imagination and courage and um, and the lack of assurance brings with it uh, the limp <laughs> and the and maybe not the limp. I would say lim- limps can happen with with assurance because I mean Jacob he limped his way across the stream to the other side. Um, but uh, but 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 the lack of assurance just breeds fear, uh, or it or or it brings with it fear, um, and we we miss the deeper. And, and maybe part of it is just an unwillingness to step into what is messy and to be okay with uh, failure for the sake of of also the greater triumphs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's absolutely right. Because uh, if we have uh, if we have assurance, we uh, we have more freedom. To be imaginative, yes, uh, and uh, and uh, let our capacity for visioning and imagining uh, just let it 
go loose yes. and uh, take those flights. Yes, yes, yes. I want to ask you one more question. These names, and these are all everybody we've been talking about, deep thinkers, Evelyn Underhill, John Calvin, Soren Kierkegaard. Uh, I'll, I'll, we need a whole other conversation just about Kierkegaard, um, John Wesley, uh, St. Francis, all of these, they're, they are faithful men and women of God whose contemplation, whose living out of the faith, whose writings uh, reflect something that is um, an, 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 an unusual treasure of faith. What did they know that most of us don't? Mm, that's a that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> uh, my my hunch is, and I'll I'll think about this a lot in the days ahead. Uh-huh. But my hunch is that their knowledge of and their assurance that God is who God says he is, that Jesus is who he says he is. Yeah. Uh, that that was more solidly uh, lodged in their, uh, in their mind and heart. Mm-hmm. If we, if we trust that, if we, if we trust that God is who God says he is, and if Jesus is who he says he is, and if the scriptures witness to who he is Mm -hmm. we'll have more freedom yeah uh and and we can be more courageous because we're uh, we have more we know who we're trusting and we can call on that uh but that's a book you ought to write Well, we have one until I get there um, that will inspire your imagination. Saints Alive, a 40-day pilgrimage with heroes of our faith by Maxie Dunham. Just a a, a succinct, brilliant, deep, uh, thoughtful read on the uh, the folks who have helped to shape the faith over the centuries. So grateful, Maxie, for you giving us the fruit of your um, pandemic reading. And uh, and thankful God, just thankful to God for your life as well. You you are an inspiration to so many of us, and I'm just so grateful for you. Thank you very much for taking time to be with us today. Thank you, Carolyn, and thanks for your ongoing life and ministry. I'm okay. I'm happy to be a partner. Amen. Guys, what an incredible conversation. I I love talking fathers of the faith. And truly, I kept naming these people that are part of his 40-day pilgrimage um, that he's written. Um, these are just heavy, heavy hitters. And Maxie does a really good job of bringing them down to practical divinity, kind of that level of how do you live this out? Um so what I heard, one thing that he talked about today, probably the thing that gonna, I'm going to take away and think about a lot is the doctrine of assurance of, of that, that we can be saved and that we can know we are saved. And that sounds really, I think, elementary, 
when you say it out loud. But how many of you have questioned whether or not you're saved or whether or not you're in the graces of God or, or you know, ha, you know, we're dealing, we, we continue to deal, even though we know that God, the scripture passage says we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah, we know that, but we still carry shame and fear that somehow we're going to stand up in front of him one day. And as my friend from years ago said, he is going to say to me, it's not that funny, Carolyn. <laughs> so um, so the doctrine of assurance is huge, and it has such practical um, out, outpourings. I, 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 or sorry, you know, such practical application. That's what I want to say. I really, really love um, what he said about um, how, how assurance helps us to deal with our sin. It helps us to deal with our sin more confidently. I want to recommend to you that you look up the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and really dive especially into the character defects that are um, that the that the 12 steps are meant to surface in us um, so that we can um, so we can deal with our character defects and 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 truly become uh, you know I guess whole, more whole and holy in our the ways we work with people. So I just would encourage you to um, look that up. So, so many really good things in this conversation. Um, and I will leave you with a quote that I actually made um, uh, while I was, while we were talking, one has the sense, Evelyn, Hunt, uh, sorry, Frederick Beekner said of Evelyn Hunt Underhill, one has the sense that she is no longer quoting. My prayer for you, my friend, is that you would um, that you would be so moved in your own spiritual uh, faith and in your walk with God that you would come from uh, move from the place uh, of quoting to the place of knowing, no longer quoting, knowing. Be blessed. See you next week. <laughs>